we just had a, a great holiday in New Zealand just before Christmas. It was really nice. We did um, some action uh, adventure type things and some relaxing things. So it was, it was a bit of everything. It was really nice. Um, and it's funny, I just want to talk about two things that both caused me um, stress during that time. And one, <laughs> one was we were just driving and then a car flicked up a rock on the, the windscreen because there there's eight of us. There's seven of us and my mum. So there's eight of us traveling around in our van. And the rock the, the, caused a chip, a little tiny crack in the windscreen. It's a hire car. And I'm thinking, oh, no. So that was a beginning, like it was day one or something like that. And I'm thinking, okay, 14, da- 14 days. It's got to make out all, all the roads. It's got to stay that size. It can't get any bigger. And uh, every day, every time we drive, I'm thinking about it. I'm getting stressed about it. And I'm wondering what's going to happen when I get there because I'm thinking, well, they aren't going to pay, a th- whatever it is, a $3,500 excess. I'm going to deal with travel insurance, what a hassle that's going to be. Um, and it caused me a lot of stress. So I end up going there, and the lady looked at and she goes, yeah, okay, thanks. I go, oh, okay. If you're like saying, did you look carefully? You know, do you want to do a check again? Whatever, and just walk away. Okay, that's all right. But I was really stressed. Another thing that caused me stress was um, bungee jumping. It's probably about equal amount of stress worrying about the windscreen as jumping off the bridge. And if you're going to have the first photo of me about to jump off the bridge, uh, just so you can, I've got to make up for all my, my knitting time and show you how manly I am uh, jumping off a bridge, okay? So this is me just jumping off. And it's all right, like you get off and you go, no, it's okay. like get up on the bridge, it's, it's okay, um, no problem, it's going to be all right. And the guy, he's strapping me up, um, I didn't say anything about that I had an ankle operation a few months ago. I left that out. Um, and uh, I said, oh, I hope my ankle holds because they're wrapping it around your ankle and go, well, it's all ro- holding on to that. Going, well, hopefully it's all right. Um, and he says, do you want to touch the wall? And I said, yes, definitely. Because I did bungee jumping before once in my 20s um, in Cairns and I wanted to touch the water, but I, I didn't. And I thought, no, I wanted this time. And I was really confident. And, uh, but as soon as I stepped on the little ledge that little bit of square there, all my confidence went away. There was none left, and I'm holding onto the little um, the, uh, metal pole there, and he goes, now step towards the edge, and I stepped about that far away from the edge, and he goes, now you have to step right on the edge, and I go, oh, and I'm trying not to look down, he goes, you have to let go, I go, oh, like that, and, um, but I did it, and you show the next one, I got, got in the water, and I thought, yes! Yes. So, but what I want to talk about, talk about today is change. And I think change is a lot like when you get on that ledge, you go, I wanted to do this. I paid a lot of money to do this bungee jumping. That's how, yeah, it is for other people, not for me. It's completely sensible for me. Um, and you're really confident and you, you, you want to do it. You pay lots of money until you get on the edge. You go, what did I do? How, can I actually can I do this? I know this is what I wanted to do, and this is what I asked to do, this is what I paid for, but now I'm standing on the edge, I don't really feel like doing it. I don't know, but I think uh, there's another photo, and they, they hold you from your, I think, another harness like this, and I think they give you a little push, basically, to help make sure, because I think if you don't go straight away, you're probably not going to go. As soon as you go, oh, no, no, I'm not sure about this. You take a few steps back. You're probably going to talk yourself out of it and not do it. So they're holding on to you like this, and you, they sort of go count down, five, four, three, two, one, and give you a little push, and you lean out, and basically it's too late. 
you're already over, you can't get your balance back or anything like that. And I think change and our prayers for change are exactly like that. We pray to God for change in ourselves, in our church, in our community, at our workplace, in our family, all of those things. We pray for change. But when it comes to actually doing the change, you go, oh, this is a bit hard. Um, can you do it with, do, answer my prayers without changing me, without this hard work? And it's not like that, unfortunately. I'm sorry to say. I hear bear of bad news today. The change is going to be difficult, but I want you to remember the positives of change. So one of the best things to get ready for change is preparing yourself. So today I want, I'm talking about preparing for change, and I'm going to look at Gideon. Um, and he's someone, when you think of Gideon, you just think about God's deliverance. But I see it, God bringing change in Gideon's life, his family life, his community life, and the country's life. That's God brought change to all those areas. They all wanted change in those areas, and God did it, but it was hard. And I think 2023 is one of those years for change. No, definitely it is for Adema and I, and because um, our youngest one is going to finish high school this year. Um, Carissa will finish uni, Corbin will finish uni soon after that. All of a sudden, things are, we become freer, I think is the word. Is that right, Louie and Denise? Freer. Um, but, I mean, it's just different, really. And we know that that opens up opportunities for us to do other things. Our Saturday mornings become free without sport or dropping off early mornings or all those kind of things. They can do a bit more getting around on their own, all, all that. But we don't know what the change is going to be. We talk about change. Um, and I think when Proverbs says, you know, the Proverbs, that, you know, people plan their steps, but it's got make plans, but there's a God who directs the steps. And I think that we're in, encouraged to make plans. We really don't know what's going to happen. We make these plans for God to bring a change all of a sudden, and we have to adjust to that. And I think that's the same for Dima and I, and for us as a church. And I think every year we're looking for change, aren't we, in every area of our life. So we need to know how we think about change. Um, I like the bungee jumping. When you jump, it's like roller coasters and things like that. Like you can watch two people do a bungee jump, and they both go, ah, like that with their hands out and they're screaming. One is absolutely petrified. One is having the time of their life. And you have no idea which one is which. It looks exactly the same. And I think when you're going through the change, people can look exactly the same, but one is really scared, depressed, or unhappy. The other one is enjoying the moment and going, I know there's something positive coming out of this, and I want to get as much out of it as I can. So we're going to look at Gideon. He's one of the ancients um, referred to in Hebrews chapter 11 as one of the heroes of faith. Um, and you'll see, you go, well, was he really? When we start looking at this. Uh, so we're going to look at Judges chapter 6, verse 1. And it says this, The Israelites did evil in the eyes of the Lord, and for seven years he gave them into the hands of the Midianites. So this story is set during the time of Judges. Israel had come into the promised land from Canaan. Uh, they hadn't had king. Um, king Saul hadn't been appointed yet. So they were just on their own, basically doing their own thing. Sometimes they would do the right thing, then they'd forget about God, they'd do the wrong thing, and then God would bring people into their lives to um, punish. No, I wouldn't say punish, 
remind them to turn back to God. Let's go with that, okay? Let's interpret things the right way here. Um, and they kept going through this cycle of doing the wrong thing, um, and get, being encouraged to go back to God, um, doing that, and then they fall away from God again. They're stuck in this cycle. So this is in the middle of one of those cycles of, thing, of things happening. So, but it's like, a little bit like, a little bit like when your children do the wrong thing, if you have children, or if you are a child, how your parents have to deal with you. Um, they, do the, they do the wrong thing, and you want them to have some consequences just so they learn something, Sometimes you see them going through, you go, well, I just want to help you out. And you, you, you do that because you love them. And I think that's how God treats us, a bit like that. And if we skip ahead to Judges uh, verse 6, it's all in Judges chapter 6, by the way. Um, so basically, how like the God of the Bible, when he ought to destroy us, he delivers us yet again. And that's what this is about. So it says, Midian so impoverished the Israelites that they cried out to the Lord for help. So they and Gideon would have prayed for deliverance. They would have said, look at what's going on, you know, Lord, can you, can you hear us? Can you see us? All of this, expecting him to deliver them, just deliver them, just as in times past. Um, and so, just a reminder about prayer. Um, if it was a normal parent, uh, parent-child relationship, if you ask, you either get a yes or a no. If you don't ask, you get not, nothing. <laughs> Right, you're relying on someone else to realize what you might want inside your head. So I want to encourage you, by no means assume that God will grant your outrageous request. There's no guarantee that God will, but God might. So it's a shame not to ask. You just do that with faith. You don't go, oh, well, he may or may not. You pray with faith, just in case you're misunderstanding that bit. Um, we'll look at chapters, uh, verses 7 to 10. When the Israelites cried out to the Lord because of Midian, he sent them a prophet who said, This is what the Lord, the God of Israel, says. I brought you up out of Egypt, out of the land of slavery. I rescued you from the hand of the Egyptians, and I delivered you from the hand of all your oppressors. I drove them out before you and gave them to your, gave, them, gave you their land. I said to you, I am the Lord your God. Do not worship the gods of the Amorites in whose land you live, but you have not listened to me. So that's a background story of Gideon that brings us to where him, we now get introduced to the main character, and we read verses 11 to 12. The angel of the Lord came and sat down under the oak in Ophrah that belonged to Joash the Abizrite, where his son Gideon was threshing wheat in a winepress to keep it from Midianites. When the angel of the Lord appeared to Gideon, he said, the Lord is with you, mighty warrior. And now this is one of those scary things you don't really want an angel Lord to come and say to you, right? It's right up there with, do not be afraid, because you go, what is going on? There's something big. I am very suspicious about what you're going to say next. And it's really, really hard. So Gideon is a great man of faith, remember, according to Hebrews. But here he is hiding in the wine press, threshing wheat. So if you know about threshing wheat, which we all do, we do it regularly, um, is you, you do it outside in an area um, where you can throw it up so that the, the husk and the wheat can separate and the husk gets taken away by the wind. So if you're doing it at a place that's down in a gully or um, where, the, where you're normally trying to get grapes down into a little bucket, the wine into or the grape juice into a bit of a bucket, 
It's not the same. So it's not effective. So he's trying to hide doing the wrong thing in the wrong place. Well, if you know what I mean. Yes? You're following me? Yeah, okay, good. Um, so God designates Gideon a mighty warrior, not because he has potential that no one has noticed, but simply because that is the way God intends to use him. And I think sometimes we go, I've, I've got some untapped potential, whatever, you know, outside I'm not very good at this and that, but inside there's potential that I could be the Prime Minister of Australia or whatever. But God sees, well, I can use you however I want to. It's not up to your ability. When you look at Moses, I want to use, God says, I want to use Moses to speak to Pharaoh and lead people. And he goes, well, I've, I've got a stutter. I can't speak very well. God goes, no, I don't care. I'm going to use you. And I think sometimes we have all those excuses, but God goes, well, I don't see what you can't do. I can see what I can do in you. And I think that's the scary thing about change is we're going to be pushed to do things that we know we have no ability to do. But God is going to be with us, as we see in this next bit. Verse 13 says, Pardon me, my Lord, Gideon replied, but if the Lord is with us, why has all this happened to us? Where are all these wonders that our ancestors told us about when they said, Did not the Lord bring us up out of Egypt? But now the Lord has abandoned us and given us into the hand of Midian. You can just hear Gideon, can't you? He goes, excuse me, like, have you been around? Have you seen what's going on? Have you opened your eyes? Have you, have you only come to see me? Have you seen anyone else and see what they're doing as well? Or, you know, we keep talking about, you say, you know, you brought us up out of Egypt. You did all these miracles. Where are they? They're not here. I don't see them. This is the hero of faith, remember? Hero of faith. And that's encouraging for us. Because we know that we are a human being just like he is, with doubts, uncertainties, um, fears of our inabilities, all those kind of things. But with God, it's all different. So as usual, God does not answer why. That's the most common question we have, isn't it? When something goes wrong um, in our family, when someone passes away at an early age, we say why. That, that's our biggest question. But God very rarely answers that now. He might answer it later. Um, but God, God knows he doesn't really want to answer to that. But he, God knows Gideon wants action. God to act. Okay? Not for Gideon to act. God, Gideon wants God to act. So the good news is Gideon's about to get some action. The bad news is that he's the means of God's deliverance. Okay? So, what he's asked for is big and scary, but what's big and scarier is that God's going to have to use him. So, in verse 14, the Lord turned to him and said, go in the strength you have and save Israel out of Midian's hand. Am I not sending you? He says, go in the strength you have. Small, big, medium, who cares? That is not important at all. He did not say, I'll give you supernatural strength, you know, or anything like that, uh, because God wants to display His strength. Okay, verse 15 and 16. Pardon me, my Lord, again. Excuse me? But how can I save Israel? My how can I save Israel? My clan is the weakest in Manasseh, and I'm the least in my family. The Lord answered, 
I will be with you. That pretty much sums it all up. And you will strike down all the Midianites, leaving none alive. So again, how, how am I going to do it? I'm the weakest. You know, how, how can you use me? You know, I'm the least, the, the lowest, I'm nothing, um, I can't do anything. God just says, I will be with you. And I think that's from our word and things this morning. You will understand that you can do any of these things because God is with you. You can go through them. Um, he has done so much for us. So the, the question we ask, how is this going to happen? The answer is, I will be with you. No details. I will be with you. So it's like Moses and other great people of faith. Um, you know, they had excuses. And even Moses said, can you send someone else? Just don't choose me. You know, someone else has got to be better than this. We're ba- often that same with us. We say, I don't like option A. Can you please tell me what option B is and see if that's more preferable for me? If you're anything like me, okay? Uh, so God determines to use someone who is a failure without obvious potential, without leadership qualities, without religious insight, just like you, like me. And I mean that in the nicest possible way, okay? In the nicest possible way. Because God's using someone does not depend on that person's abilities, okay? So Gideon is still protesting. He's had a few goes of this, but he's still going. The hero of faith is still protesting against God. Gideon is utterly inadequate. Against Gideon's inadequacy, God stacks his adequacy. Everything that Gideon needs is supplied in the brief statement, I will be with you. That's all you need to know, and you can get through anything. The statement has a history. It seems to be God's trump card for either unwilling or hesitant servants. God said said to Moses, but I will be with you. God reassured Joshua, as I've been with Moses, I will be with you. God said this before, and he'll keep saying it, and he says it, saying it to us now. I'll be with you. You can go through a lot with that promise. Doesn't answer your question. All your other questions, your why, your when, where, all of those, just the who, and that's enough. And I think sometimes we read this about the back and forth, and we, I think in our day and age, we, we assume intimacy with God is our right rather than an indescribable gift that we have. We take it for granted, not realizing that we can communicate with the Lord who created all the earth. And I don't want, I just want to encourage you not to take that for granted and not to read anything, just do that. But God is assuring, I'll be with you. Nothing's more overwhelming than the fact that it's God who says it to us. It's not me saying it. It's God saying it to us. And God's ultimate promise of being with us through Jesus is through Jesus. Can I say that again? God's ultimate promise of being with us is through Jesus, through the Holy Spirit. That's His ultimate promise that He is always going to be with us every day for the rest of our lives, no matter what we're going through. He has made all those promises in the Old Testament, but now we can see how it's going to happen because we have His Holy Spirit. And the Holy Spirit is something, I think, 
I know that analogies don't cover every area of something. It's like the bungee cord. When you jump off, you go, well, I'm free falling. Nothing is there. Nothing's holding me, but I'm falling. Does anyone know that I'm going to hit the ground or what's going on? And it's only the last minute when something's about to go wrong. When you feel the bungee cord, when you feel, when you know the Holy Spirit has just got you, you feel all alone until just that one moment near the end, you go, ah, God's got me. He is with me, and I know He's there. And it happens right at that last moment. So we can be unwilling, feel not ready, but God wants to show His glory to help others to make a difference. That's why you are perfect for God's use. I know we keep, and I think I've said this before, but I had a friend who wasn't a Christian in, in uni, and he said, well, I don't want to become a Christian because I'm not, I'm not perfect. I'm not good, good enough to be a Christian. And I go, well, we're never going to be good enough to be a Christian. That's the whole point. Until the day we die, we're never going to be good enough. And the same with becoming a Christian is the same with being used by God, is we're never going to be good enough, but He's always going to be good enough, strong enough, powerful enough, loving enough to use us in every situation. Why are we shocked when God wants to use us to answer our own and others' prayers? I think that's the thing that got me is you're praying all these prayers and then we're shocked God wants to use us to answer those prayers. We pray for change, we're desperate for change. When God wants to use us to bring up the change, we shy away. You go, oh, well, there's leaders in the church. Aren't they meant to be doing that kind of stuff? Not, not me. Um, and God wants to use every single one of us. So God is changing us. God can use us while He's changing us, while we're still not perfect. And we had a meeting with my manager end of last year. We talked about what things didn't go well, or what, how we could improve for this year. And we said, well, we have to do these projects. We've got to do a project proposal. And uh, we said, well, we need more time to do it. We had to rush, and so we didn't have time to talk to all the people we needed to, to work out what we needed to do. And we said, and so she said, okay, we'll start, instead of starting in April, we'll start in February. And now every meeting she goes, we're starting this in February. You asked for this, and that's why we're doing this. And it's so annoying. And it's more annoying because she's right that we did ask for it. And you go, just shut up, just shut up. I know I asked for it. Okay, let's just do it. And I think that's what change is like for us. You go, well, we know... God has the best thing for us in mind, and it's going to be great at the end. And sometimes we forget about the positive that's waiting at the end of the change or the end of the situation, and we just think about how hard it is right now to jump off this little ledge and not really realizing how good we're going to feel afterwards and how He's going to make that change. So Gideon reminds me of the parable of the two sons, you know, where God came to them and said, I want you to go and work in the orchard. And one says... Um, no, but then later on he said yes, and the other one said yes, and then later on said no and didn't go. And I think when we have all those doubts, you can either give in to them and go, because you, you say, we can either say, yes, Lord, I want to do that. And then you think about, oh, hold on, that's a lot of work. Uh, I'm not sure about that. I'm a bit busy doing this other stuff that I thought you asked me to do, so I'm going to keep doing that. Or we just say, we say no. And I think that's what Gideon, when we say heroes of faith, that's what Gideon's like. He says, well, are you sure? You know, can you really do this? Who are you? Prove to me that you're God. 
all these kind of things. He's saying no, but at the end he says yes. And he goes and does it. And I think that's the hero of faith, overcoming all the weaknesses we have, the doubts, um, the fears, um, uh, our lack of inabilities, overcoming all of those things to trust God and say yes. And that's a hero of faith. And I think that's who we are called to be, heroes of faith in the modern age, who knowing what we don't have, what, we, what we're missing, that God can still use us. So I want to talk about some practical ways God can use us to answer our prayers that we might not like. Apologizing for something you thought you were right. Okay, when we think we're right, but we still got to go and apologize for whatever it was, knowing that we think we didn't have anything to do. But knowing that it's going to fix the relationship. Learning to love or making a difference in this world. Helping someone you don't want to help. Love overcoming whatever, discomfort, hatred, whatever you want to call it. Love triumphs. Mercy triumphs, all those things. Because we prayed for all these things. We prayed to be more loving. Uh, we prayed to be, make a difference in the world. Remember, we prayed these things. And we don't like it, but God wants us to say yes. Uh, bringing salvation, you know, sharing the good news of Jesus Christ with other people. Not saying, let the evangelists, let the leaders of the church do it. Let someone else do it. But God wants all of us to do that. Being supportive of, other, supporting, supportive of others when you feel like you have nothing left. You know, when you say to God, like, I really want to help other people. And just at your lowest point, when you have nothing, he goes, I want you to help that person. You go, well, I feel like I need, I think Adima said it, I feel like I need help right now. And you want me to go and help someone else. And God says, yes, because I will be with you. Keeping on going when you want to quit. Just because I think one of the things when you get into a change, say you come into a church and God speaks to you about joining that church and then something goes wrong and you leave without hearing from God but just because something went wrong. And I believe this, the way God leads you into a situation is the same way God will lead you out of the situation. Remember, because God is with us, we can do all of these things. So preparing for change. Remember, this is all about preparing for change. All this message is about change is coming. It's going to happen. I don't know quite what's going to happen, where or when, but I'm ready for it because I know God is with me. So you need to process this message. Last night I had this dream. If you're a bit squeamish, just close your ears uh, because... In the stream, there was this a body, but it was cut in half, and you could see it wasn't organs, but it was just the food unprocessed, like it was just rice and carrots, just all in this part. Are you squeamish already? I debated about this, and I thought, no, I don't care. Um, okay, you've got to put up with this. Um, and, and it just reminded me, sometimes we take the food, whether it's the, the Word of God or whatever, but if you're not digesting it and processing it, nothing happens. It can't... It looks exactly the same here and looks exactly the same the other end and you get no nutrients out of it, nothing. You have to chew it. You have to, your stomach has to get all the stuff out of you. Your intestines have to get everything out of it to make sure that you can get close to God when you're getting His Word. And that's what the, the time each day, um, 
that's part of looking after yourself in the change. When you're going through the change, so you're processing this message so that you're ready, even though you don't know what the change is going to be. But we're going to be ready for it anyway, no matter what it is. Change how we think about change, that it's going to be positive. We remember that God is with us and He has good plans for us. So therefore, the end has got to be positive, not negative. So look after yourself. And uh, in our Connect group, I was encouraging our group to read the Bible in a year. And I know it's good to, if nothing else, you read one verse a day. But if you get lots of the Word into you, that's great too. And the more you get into, the more it gets, and you can, and you digest it, and you get everything out of it to overcome those thoughts of negativity, distrust about God and who He is. Um, and because sometimes you remember all the things that you prayed for that haven't happened. And God wants to remind you, oh, hold on, I'm still God, I'm still in control, I still have your best interest at heart. So spending time each day sharing your thoughts with God. Remember how we don't take intimacy with God for granted. It's an incredible gift. We share our thoughts with God and allow Him to speak to us. And you can also do the same with a trusted human. So, summing up. If you want me stand while I summon, just to get you going, think about, you can get that thinking happening, you know, because the blood pumping, the brain's working a little bit better. Just to remind you, God is always with you. He will always be with you. So don't be surprised when God wants to use us to answer our prayer. Okay, don't be surprised or shocked. God's ultimate promise of being with us is through Jesus, the Holy Spirit. So prepare for change. We see change as positive. We say how, and he says, remember, I will be with you. Yeah, that's, if you remember nothing else about today, all you remember is God says, I will be with you, okay? That's all you have to remember. Because this year, like every other year, is a year of change. Personally, family, community, everything else. Thanks, Nathan. Good to see Nathan on the piano, hey, isn't that good? Just when you thought he was going to be good at, you know, one or two things, he's good at three things. And I'm, good at, I'm still trying to, after turning 50, I'm still trying to work out what I'm really good at. Um, and here he is in his 20s. So, but all we have to remember is God will be with us. That's enough. The living God will be with us. I want you to close your eyes and Pray with me. Father, we just thank you that you sent your son to give us life every day, that your Holy Spirit is going to be with us. And we just thank you that you made that sacrifice, knowing that it's going to be hard, there's going to be tough, but there's going to be positive change for all of humanity. And so we thank you for that that you will always be with us and that we do not need to fear, even though we might feel inadequate, unworthy, all of those other feelings, that really doesn't matter as long as you're with us. We know that we can do anything. We can do anything. We're going to sing Battle Belongs to, the, to God because it's really, it's all about God, isn't it? Not about us. It's all about what He can do in us.